Welcome to episode four of JW Military Finance. I'm your host, JW. Today, we're going to be getting into a listener question. comes from a friend of mine, Dennis Griggs. He is a fellow podcaster himself. He has a podcast titled Dose of Dedication, where he talks about fitness. This guy isn't just talking about fitness. He's certified. He's a certified personal trainer. He's certified in nutrition. He actually can tell you what to eat. But what's funny is this guy doesn't tell you to eat, you know, bare bone stuff. He will show you how he does it eating frosted mini wheats and pizza. Um, I think it's really interesting. Not your typical stuff. So look him up, podcast, Dose of Dedication. And he also has a YouTube channel, Dose of Dedication. You might be able to search it through his name, Dennis Griggs, also. And then not to stop there, this guy's a jack of all trades. He's also got a clothing brand called Habits Brand. I'll let you in a little secret here. If you listen to his podcast, every episode he gives you a discount code for 40% off. So go listen to his podcast, Dose of Dedication, and then go check out his clothing, Habits Brand, for some fitness apparel and save yourself some money while you're doing it. Also, if you're in the Riverside, California area, look up his gym. Yes, this guy has his own gym. Uh, It's called Hammerhead Athletics. So look up his gym, look up his clothing brand, but most importantly, look up his podcast so you can save some money on his clothing brand. We're going to go ahead and get to his, uh, his question now. Hey, John, this is Denny here. I really appreciate what you're doing for the younger military guys and providing them insight on some of your hindsight and, you know, things you would have done with your TSP and retirement funds. Um, But for a guy that's been out of the military for a while, I have multiple retirement accounts, 401ks and TSP from various jobs. But I also started doing um, like brokerage accounts through Fidelity where I kind of just manage stocks that I like to invest in. Um, What are some things I should be looking into? If if you have any knowledge on that, what what, what should I be looking for on what to invest in? And uh, what's coming up in the future? And then I also want to know like more like experimental type of investing. What do you think about cryptocurrencies and where they're headed? And if you've delved into it at all, you know, like, is it something that you should just kind of watch until it explodes or is it, you know, a risk worth taking while it's very young? Wow. That was a crazy question right there. There's a lot going on in that question. Denny's asking about 401ks, TSPs, cryptocurrencies, brokerage accounts, Um, You name it, he's asking for a lot. So I'm going to break this up into a bunch of different little segments here and kind of tackle it um, one one step at a time. But I'm going to start backwards on this one and jump straight to the last thing he asked about, which was cryptocurrency. I would be a hypocrite to tell anybody not to invest in cryptocurrency or not to be intrigued by it or whatnot, because I myself own a little bit of cryptocurrency. Yep, I got swept into it. I bought myself some Litecoin, some, uh, uh, I bought a couple other coins too. Some super speculative stuff. So I'd be um, a hypocrite to say, stay away from it. Here's the thing though. Um, I, I lost most, well, I don't want to say I lost most of the money I put in there. I'm a little bit ahead because I bought one that actually did really well, uh, Ripple. I think I bought Ripple at like 46 cents and I sold it at like, I don't know, it peaked up around like $3 or something like that and I sold it up there. So 
I made a lot of money off Ripple and I used that to buy um, some of the other coins that I ended up purchasing and now those are down like crazy. Um, but I'm still ultimately a little bit ahead. So what I would say, if someone was interested in investing into cryptocurrencies, for that matter, we'll throw penny stocks into this same category. Um, this shouldn't be where you like focus your investing. This shouldn't be your retirement plan um, or your get rich quick scheme. What I would say is that if you're interested in investing in cryptocurrencies, because it is an investment, an extremely speculative one, but it's an investment. So if you wanted to invest in cryptocurrencies, this should be an extremely small portion of your total investment portfolio. So if you had an investment portfolio of $10,000, I would probably say you shouldn't have more than 5 to 10% or 5 hundred to a thousand dollars invested in cryptocurrencies and penny stocks anything speculative should be extremely small money and it should also be money that if you don't get that money back for whatever reason that it's not going to overall affect your total plan this should just be something fun and everyone should have a section of their portfolio that is for this speculative stuff uh, because you never know. You you never know. I, I've got, I don't know, like five or six Litecoin shares that I still have. And if Litecoin were to take off and go up to, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars a piece, that would be a fabulous 10 grand, you know, that I just made. Um, so you should have some speculative stuff like that, but that should not be where you're focused. Um, same thing with penny stocks. Penny stocks are so speculative. They... There's so many companies that pump and dump these things. What they do is they, they've got like these huge email um, distribution lists that they have for these penny stocks. There's so many of them out there like Stock Twitter and all these other things. But um, they buy the penny stock like the day before. They pump it out to all of the people on their email list of this great news that this no-name, nobody company has. Everyone on the email list goes and buys it. It goes super high. The, the company that tweeted it out to their followers sells it. The actual company themselves either sell into the, the surge or they dilute it so much and you lose everything if you aren't like to the second buying and selling some of these these penny stocks and for that matter even some of these cryptocurrencies you're gonna just lose your money all right personal story back in uh 2007 or so when i was stationed in key west i bought some penny stocks i was i was playing around with it day in day out and i've still got two of them that sit in my brokerage account my USA brokerage account that I am negative 99.99% on because the company did a thousand to one reverse split. All right. Thousand to one reverse split. So the stock went from like worth like four cents to uh, up to like $10, something like that. And there was no way you could sell it. Everyone was trying to sell it. And before I knew it, it was worth 0. .0003 or something ridiculous like that. And I'll never be able to sell it. I went from owning a million shares in this company 
to like 100. It was ridiculous. And then they did another reverse or a forward split or something. I don't look them up. It was Babita Beverage, BBDA or something like that was their ticker. And, uh, you know, total waste of money. I lost like $500 on it. But whatever. I was learn, take it from me. Penny stocks, they're not even worth it. There is a reason why. Like, I could never get rid of this, these penny stocks that I own. Even if they something crazy happened, I would never be able to sell them because USAA, the, the place that holds the, the brokerage that has these stocks, they don't even allow you to, they don't even trade penny stocks anymore. Anything that's not on the major exchanges, USAA and a bunch of other brokerages won't even let you um, buy and sell anymore. They're so speculative that they, they won't even let their investors um, try to buy them. So I could never sell these these two companies if I wanted. I forget what the other one was, like BZCN Business Auctions or whatever. Don't waste your money. Don't waste your time on the penny stocks. Um, but if you are, are going to invest in cryptocurrencies, I get it. It's temptation. The way Bitcoin moves is, is ridiculous. You know, it can go up thousands of dollars in a day. It also can go down thousands of dollars in a day. I have seen it make some crazy huge swings. The other thing that I don't really like about the cryptocurrency is that, you know, right now you could go buy, say, a can of soda for a dollar and everyone's, you know, that's an agreeable price. Everyone will say this can of soda will sell for a dollar. You know, but there's nothing that you're like, hey, this this laptop will cost you one Bitcoin. You could pay one Bitcoin for this laptop today and tomorrow you'll be kicking yourself in the butt because you just paid, you know, that one Bitcoin went up three grand and you just paid an extra three grand for that one Bitcoin. You know, it's it's so fluctuative that it you can never determine what it really is. You know, so now today this laptop is point, you know, eight two Bitcoin or something like that. It's ridiculous how you can't establish a fair uh, price on it. So just know that it's extremely speculative and that it should be a small percentage of your portfolio. Honestly, I would say no more than 5%. You know, but that's still a big number. If you had a $100,000 portfolio, you could have $5,000 in, you know, invested into these cryptocurrencies. So keep it a small percentage of your total investment portfolio. Keep it, um, just know that this is money that you might not ever make anything on. You could lose it all or it, it could turn into something crazy. And if you 10x, 20x, five grand, that's a fabulous amount of money. And it doesn't matter which um, investment you have that, that you increase five, 10, 20x on, you're always gonna wish that you had bought more of it. So you never know which one it's gonna be. So you can never be mad that you didn't buy more of your big winner, all right? I've had some big winners. I bought Lazy Boy at a dollar and I sold it at $26. I wish like hell, I wished I'd put every penny I had in savings into that stock. But at the time, I had no clue that it was gonna go to $26. You know, I was hoping to just double my money or something like that. I never dreamed that it would go to 26. So that was also back in like 2008. So um, just know that it's money you might not ever get back or it could be a real lucky play that you made. 
So keep it a small percentage of your portfolio. That's my thoughts on cryptocurrency. And I'm really hoping that Litecoin takes off because I would love for those four or five coins that I have to make some money. What I'd really like is some of those other super speculative ones that I have that I can't remember the names of right now uh, to take off because I got a lot of those. All right, y'all. That's my thoughts on cryptocurrency. On to the next question. All right, so the next part about Denny's question is is really an interesting one. He talks about being prior military and that he's got money in the TSP account. And what should he do with that money? Also, he says that he's later gotten a 401k and what to do with that money from another employer. So the reality of this is, is that Denny falls into the vast majority of people that have served in the military. Um, like I said in my prior podcast, that roughly only 15% of people that originally joined the military make it all the way to retirement. The other 85% get out of the military for some reason. Too many reasons, but they got out. Denny falls into this, and so will so many other people. All right, This is another plug for the blended retirement system. If you're eligible for that, that you should be maximizing it because... This money, you can, you can leave it in the TSP forever. You can keep whatever you invested while you were in the military invested in the TSP. And if you're doing the BRS, you're getting that extra couple of percent, anywhere from a guaranteed 1% all the way up to 5% boost during your time in the service. But if you got out of the military and you don't know what to do with your TSP money, as long as it's not sitting in the G fund, Move it out of that G fund. Seriously, I can't express that enough. I'm not going to tell you where to put it because I'm not a fiduciary and not CPA and all that stuff, but it shouldn't be in the G fund. You're losing so much money if it's in the G fund. CSI is where my money is split. Um, CNS is amazing. C fund mirrors the uh, S&P 500, which is a fabulous, you know, lately return on investment. That's option one. Option one is if you got out of the military and you've got money in the TSP, you can just leave it. Why would you want to leave it in the TSP? There's good investment options. There's better, but the C and the S fund are really good investment options. Also, TSP has an extremely, extremely low cost of ownership. All right. Right now, they're, in 2018, their administrative expenses was 004 or 0.41%, depending on which fund you were in. 0.04, that is so, so little, all right? We're talking four cents on the dollar here, all right? It is cheap, all right? There's not much out there that you can find with cheaper operating expenses. The next best operating expenses, I would probably say are with Vanguard, and I did some looking with Vanguard, they have a couple funds that are around that 4% uh, operating cost, but the majority of them are 0.07 to 0.20. So when you factor that in, over the long haul, the operating expenses, they slowly chip away at what you ultimately are able to earn. So keeping those expenses low saves you a lot of money. TSP has some of the lowest out there. There might be a little bit lower if you go and look, but that doesn't mean that they're better, 
all right they might not be as good as what the c fund or the s fund does at that operating expense but that's that's a huge thing for the tsp it is so easy and cheap all right that's also it's simple people get overwhelmed if you open up an ira through vanguard and you have the so many options to choose from you've got the mutual funds the etfs individual stocks everything you name it the whole world's now opened up to you you can be overwhelmed and afraid to make a decision tsp keeps it easy there's five funds four or five life cycle funds which you shouldn't be in anyhow but there's five funds to choose from and the reality of it is you can throw out the g fund because you shouldn't be invested in the g fund there's really four options all right so because it's so easy it's not as overwhelming i think that that's a good thing for a lot of people especially with there not being this huge knowledge of how etfs work how mutual funds work and which stock should i buy which company is the best having a limited option to choose from is is good in my opinion it's good what else can you do with the money you can roll it out of the tsp i actually had to look this up so there's a form on the TSP website, it's the TSP60 form. If you're in the traditional TSP, you would use the TSP60, or if you're in the Roth option of the TSP, it's the TSP60 slant R, all right? I imagine if you have money in both, that you might have to fill this form out twice, one of the TSP60 and one of the TSP60R, and this form allows you to withdraw your money from the TSP and roll it into something else. So why would you wanna roll it? You can roll your TSP and your 401k from your other employer into a IRA. So if you have traditional TSP and a traditional 401k, you can roll those into a traditional IRA with say Vanguard. And this, I'm promoting Vanguard because I like Vanguard. There's so many other options out there. Denny said he used Fidelity. Fidelity is great. You could do the same thing at Fidelity. You could do the same thing at almost any other brokerage. All right, I'm just saying Vanguard because I personally use Vanguard and I think Vanguard is awesome. So I'm not a spokesperson for Vanguard or anything like that. I just really like Vanguard. That's why I'm saying Vanguard. But you could roll your TSP and your 401k from your other employer into a Vanguard IRA. Or if you had TSP Roth and a 401k Roth, roll them into a Roth IRA. Both of these, if you're moving from a like account to another like account, it's a non-taxable thing, all right? If you move from a traditional TSP into a traditional IRA, it's a non-taxable event. You're just moving money around. It's the same type of money going into the same type of pot, and you're moving it around. Other thing, real quick, I'm just going to say this real quick. An IRA is not an investment in itself, all right, an IRA is the blanket, the tax blanket that your investment is wrapped in. All right, so you still you can move your money into an IRA, and they kind of work as like a money market account. They earn a little bit of interest, but just moving it into the IRA is not enough. You still have to invest that money. You still have to buy mutual funds, ETF stocks. Um, the cool thing with an IRA is that you can buy houses, um, all sorts of stuff you can buy within the IRA. So moving your money out of the TSP and out of the 401k and into an IRA opens up the entire investing world to you. 
Now, an IRA, you can only contribute for 2019, you can contribute $6,000 annually, unless if you're over the age of 55, then I believe they allow you to do another couple of thousand dollars and catch up. Um, but $6,000 for the majority of us in a year. There is also financial requirements for being able to invest into a Roth. If you're making more than, I think it's around 130000 and you're single, you can't do a Roth, and then it's like 250, 260 if you're a married couple. You would have to double check those numbers. I didn't look that up, wasn't part of uh, the, the plan here. But right around 250,000 annually, you can't go into a Roth. You can still do the traditional, but not the Roth. So that's stuff that you have to look into. Now that $6,000 annual limit does not apply when you're doing a rollover. So if you wanted to roll in, you know, 20, 30, 50,000, or however much money you have in there, you can you can roll that money in um, and then still contribute the 6,000 for that year. Um, that's what we did with my, my wife's 401k. She had a 401k from her employer. We rolled it into a traditional 401k and then through Vanguard, what we did, we rolled it right into a traditional 401k and then immediately rolled it into a Roth, all right? Now, you should only do that. You should only do that if you have the money set aside to pay the taxes. There's two options that you can pay those taxes because that's a taxable event. You're going from a traditional, which is pre-tax, to a Roth, which is after-tax money, so you're going to have to pay those taxes. Um, so to pay those taxes, you should do that only from money that you have set aside. The reason for this is, is that you're giving that money a boost. It's, it's almost like making an additional contribution. So if you rolled over 10000 from a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA, you should pay those taxes. It's going to be at whatever your tax rate is, um, your income tax rate. So 20%. You, you should have that $2,000 set aside to pay those, and it's like making a $2,000 investment into your account. So we immediately rolled her 401k into a traditional IRA and then rolled it into a Roth IRA, and then what we did that year when we filed our tax return, we ended up paying the taxes on the money that we rolled into the Roth IRA. And now we're contributing to her Roth IRA, which is a great option especially because it opens up the whole everything into you and then it consolidates your accounts. You now don't have a 401k with this employer or a 403b with that employer, TSP from your military service. It's all into one nice IRA. Now, if you're with an, a current employer, you could roll previous, um, you could roll your TSP and your 401k into your current employer's 401k. Um, but then when you leave that employer, you're probably gonna wanna do another rollover. It's, it's easiest just to roll that money into an IRA, and then manage it. Now, Denny goes another step further. Now, what do I do with this money? Now that I get it to wherever I wanted it, what should I invest in? That's a great question. What should you be invested in? The answer is everyone's got different goals. So what are your goals? It's, it's hard to say this to a, a broad market and appease everybody. But the reality of it is, is that you're gonna wanna be in some sort of index fund or an ETF. Buying individual stocks is is so difficult. You are going to pick like 10 losers for every winner that you you pick. It's it's it really is difficult. And the majority of investors sadly lose money by trying to hop on the bandwagon. They hop on it too late. They 
get it before it peaks and then it starts to go down and then they hold on because they think it's going to rebound and then it never does and then they end up losing money because they just jumped in too late. Get into some sort of index fund. You should be looking at growth, growth and in income, uh, a total stock market fund. Um, a There's so many good options, but growth, growth and income is where you should be. Now, Vanguard, all right, I, I did some comparison to try and say, hey, what's better, the TSP um, C fund or a fund at Vanguard? And I found this Vanguard fund, it's called VTSAX. And then coincidentally, the VTSAX has a $3,000 purchase, minimum purchase to buy into it. It is a mutual fund. They have an ETF that's the exact same fund that has no minimum, and it's actually got a little bit lower expense ratio. The ticker is VTI.IV. It's the exact same total stock market fund. One's an ETF, one's a mutual fund, and the ETF is a little bit cheaper in the expense ratio, and you can get into it for the price of one share. All right, so the current share price is about 150 bucks. So for 150, if you had $150, you can get into the ETF VTI.IV. And when you go here, they have this hypothetical growth of $10,000. So if you invested $10,000 in 2009, as of uh, October 31st of 2019, it would be worth $35,812. So like that's that's crazy. That's an insane amount of rate of return. And if you look on... I'm, on the Vanguard site right now as I'm talking to you and you go through it, it's showing that its its rate of return has been crazy, um, 13, 14% average. Um, and then it shows you everything that they're in. You know, this this fund, well, it's the total stock market, but their biggest, their biggest holdings, you know, they don't own the same amount of everything, but their biggest are Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, which is Google, um, Facebook, Berkshire, Hathaway, J.P. Morgan, Johnson Johnson, Exxon, and Visa. So great rate of return, um, owns great companies, low fees. Something like this is where you want to have your money. It has performed year after year. Uh, like I said, in the last 10 years, you could have invested 10 grand and it'd be worth 35,000. That's, um, that's crazy. That means your money is doubled like two and a half time, well, a time and a half, basically, um, since you invested it. 10 became 20, and then that 20 became 35. Um, that's that's fabulous. So yeah, the 10-year rate of return on that, uh, that this fund is 13.6, 13.36%. And then since inception, it's been around since 01. So this includes the big market downturn of 07, 08. It's still averaged point. One four percent, which is pretty fabulous. Um, that that's what I would say. Uh, year to date, it's over twenty percent. Pretty crazy. Um, but what I did for my wife um, when I looked for funds to put her money into in her Roth IRA, I looked for stuff that had been around for a very long time. All right, stuff that had been around for fifty years that is averaged over 10%. This shows that it's survived multiple market downturns. It's survived 
multiple companies being added and withdrawn from the account, and it still had a fabulous rate of return. I'm telling you, it is so easy. People go, you can't do 10%. You absolutely can. And there are so many funds through Vanguard that have been around since 1960 that have averaged 10 or 11% since 1960. All right, if you were averaging 11%, 10% since 1960, you would have millions of dollars because your money would just be doing so fabulous. All right, at 10%, your money is like a uh, rule of 72. Your money is doubling like every seven years. All right, um, so how, every seven years, 10,000 becomes 20, becomes 40, becomes 80. Next thing you know, you are, you are multimillionaire. Um, that's what I would do. I would not be picking individual stocks. I would not be trying to jump on the bandwagon. I would not be trying to buy the, 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 well, you can't buy cryptocurrencies in a row. I think there's a, a cryptocurrency ETF that you can buy through an IRA, but, um, I wouldn't be trying to buy penny stocks or anything crazy like that. Another thing that I would be looking at, um, in your IRA is, they're called REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, and they pay a, fabu- a fabulous dividend. The cool thing is, is in a Roth IRA, once you put that money in, a Roth IRA is funded post-tax. So you've already paid the taxes, which means all of your income that you make also grows tax-free. Roth IRAs, Roth everything is, sure, you're paying the taxes now, but a million dollars in your account is a million dollars when you go to start withdrawing it. So, but those dividends that you get, um, dividend investing, that's what I've been doing lately. My brokerage accounts, dividend investing, um, I've, I've really changed my ways as I've gotten older and wiser and been burned. Um, so those dividends would also be tax-free if it's in a Roth IRA. So there you go, Denny, that's what you should do. If you have money in your TSP, money in a 401k, I would roll those. I would either roll those into your TSP or out of your TSP. So your 401k money, if you wanted to roll that into your TSP, that's the TSP 70 form. So you can roll, you fill out that form to roll the money from your 401k into the TSP. Another cool thing though, um, my friend Denny, like I said earlier, he's he owns his own business. He's got his own gym and his own clothing brand. So if he's a self, if he's a self-employed, if he's LLC and everything, he could actually set up a SEP IRA, and he can funnel in tens of thousands of dollars of profits into that SEP IRA. So if you own your own company, your own business, a SEP IRA is something that you can do to kind of give yourself your own little retirement. Um, that's something I would look into, but roll into a Roth IRA, or roll into TSP, the TSP 70 form, roll out of TSP, it's TSP 60. I would roll it into an IRA. And then if you have the money, I would roll straight into the IRA, into the Roth. I would not, You. the other option is, is that if you had $10,000 in there, you could prepay the taxes and roll $8,000 over. You can do that, but you're really taking away a lot well, you're taking away $2,000 of investment. Um, and the arguments, well, I was going to pay the two grand either way. I was going to pay the two grand either way. No, it's not the same. It really isn't. You're losing $2,000 of buying power. You're losing the ability to contribute that two grand. You'll never really be able to catch up that two grand 
So um, I would pay the taxes myself. So you, you should have that money set aside. Or if you don't have it set aside at this current time, just know that you're going to have to pay that when you file your taxes. So I would start trying to save up for that. Um, and you can you can roll it into a, a traditional IRA. And if you've only got the money to pay a few percentage of whatever you have, you can roll it year after year and do your your Roth IRAs. And that's the other thing. If you make too much money to contribute to a Roth IRA, there's the backdoor Roth, and that's exactly what you do. You contribute to a traditional IRA. At the end of the year, you roll that money into your Roth IRA, and you pay the taxes on on the six grand. So um, that's how you, you backdoor it. And people do that every single year. They contribute into a traditional IRA, and then at the end of the year, they roll that into their Roth IRA that they had prior to exceeding the income requirement. And that's how you can fund a Roth IRA by making more money than what you're allowed to that's a whole nother topic and that's well above me. I've never done that. I have zero experience in it, but I'm definitely interested in looking into it because one day I hope to be making too much money to contribute to Roth IRAs. So there you have it, Denny. That's what I would do with the money that is in your 401k and your TSP. I would try and consolidate all those down, either roll it all into your TSP, roll it all into your 401k or roll it into a IRA, an individual retirement agreement. All right, I would roll it into an IRA, preferably a Roth. And we'll get to your next question in a moment. So for the last part of Denny's question, he asked, what should he do with the money in his brokerage account that's not in a 401k or in his TSP? The money that's in your brokerage account, non-retirement investing, this is money that you should have earmarked for some sort of goal. Um, obviously, you know, you want to save and any money above and beyond an emergency fund should be invested somehow. But this money should have some sort of goal. Are you say, are you investing to purchase a home? Are you looking for a car? Um, you're just looking for something to cover a big expense. Um, whatever it is, saving for a vacation, the money that you're doing that you should have invested, um, on a time horizon, you know, some people, they just want to play with stocks and that's fine. Um, there, there can be a percentage of your portfolio that you have invested for just stocks, just money that doesn't have a purpose, but money that has a purpose should be invested, um, specifically tailored to that purpose. So say if you, if you had $10,000 that you wanted to invest and you were going to invest it for three to five years that, um, you wanted to use whatever that grows to become to purchase a car with cash that you would eventually sell it and purchase a car with cash. Well, money in a brokerage account like that, you have to realize that you will pay taxes on this money when you sell it. So if you invest 10000 and it grows to uh, 16000 you'll pay taxes on that $6,000 when you finally sell whatever it was invested in. The money in these brokerage accounts... Um, you know, a, a short horizon by short, I would say anything less than five years, you're probably realistically better off just putting it into a savings account. And what I say that is, is that the stock market, sure, it ideally it goes up year after year, but you never know in a small horizon like that, if you, 
if you put $10,000 in there right now and sometime late next year, there's a big stock market pullback and the market declines 15, 20%, you won't have the time. If you really need that money in three years, you might not have the time to recoup your losses. So you might actually lose some of the money that you had in there. So I would say anything less than three years, you should probably just put in a savings account, find a savings account that has a good um, interest rate. You can find them around 2%, maybe a little higher than 2% right now. Um, I have a Capital One savings account that's paying me 2% interest, and that's where my emergency fund money is. That's not a bad rate of return on that money. Um, But in your brokerage account, if you've got more than three years, I would start putting that, looking into, again, it's it's boring advice, but growth stock mutual funds, um, growth ETFs. I like ETFs better than a mutual fund just because they're a little bit cheaper when it comes to the taxes that you pay and the percentages that you work. But I'm not going to tell you to go out there and pick stocks. I do very little individual stock picking right now. And um, honestly, I just I just bought some Uber back when Uber went IPO. Um, and I, I didn't buy it on the IPO day. I actually waited a few days when it pulled, it, it declined and I, I purchased it around the like $37 mark and then uh, picked up a little bit more down here where it's at now at about the $33 mark. Um, I had some reasons to buy the Uber IPO, but outside of buying that one individual stock, I, I haven't bought individual stocks in many years telling you ETFs, dividend investing, um, that's, that's been my bread and butter over the last, you know, five or six years or so. Um, it's boring, but it's, it's consistently good money. All right. Um, that's, that's what I would be doing with that money in a brokerage account. Um, you can buy some stocks again, just like your penny stocks and your, in your cryptocurrency, like we talked about earlier. If, if you've got, $10,000 that's in a brokerage account, one, you should be debt-free, realistically. Um, If you've got $10,000 of debt and $10,000 in a brokerage account, I would sell everything in the brokerage account and pay off my debt. But um, if you've got $10,000, cool, put put a core of it in um, something boring, all right? You know, 75% of it in something boring, put 10% in a couple individual stocks and then put 10% to go play with and try to get rich quick. Um, But know that whatever you put in the try to get rich quick, you probably aren't going to get rich. Um, So be it. But yeah, that's what I'd be doing. I would have a set goal of what I want to use this money for and then invest it on that timeline, how aggressive do you want to be? How conservative do you need to be? Um, you know, and then there's other options, you know, um, there's certificates of deposits. Um, you can get a, a money market account where you, you could get a little bit better rate of return on those. This isn't exactly what Denny was going with, but these are good options. Um, outside of your retirement money, the money that you invest should have some sort of a goal. Um, and if you don't have a goal, I would just boost my retirement savings. You can put 6000 into an IRA account 
and you can put up to 19,000 into a 401k account. So, you know, if you've got, if you contributing 19,000 to your 401k, and then you're contributing another 6,000 into your IRA, that's, that's 25 grand. Um, if you aren't trying to retire early, I would just, inc- well, you're already maxed out. So bad advice, but 25 grand. The reality of it is, is that probably most people, most military members aren't going to be able to max out their TSP and an IRA. But any investing over that, you should have some sort of a goal for it. And even if that goal is some bridge money, you know, hey, I'm going to retire from the military at the age of 40 and I really don't want to work anymore. So what do I need to do between you know, whatever age you are now and retiring from the military at 40. And, you know, what are you going to do for those 20 years before you're eligible to start tapping into your TSP? Well, this could be your bridge money that you invest to pay to cover that difference between what your pension is until you can start getting into your your TSP retirement money. Um, But just know whatever's in the brokerage account, you will have to pay taxes on when you sell because it's not wrapped in that Roth IRA. And just just to follow up here, um, I want to wrap it up, make sure I put out the right information and everything. So I quickly looked it up. For 2019, $6,000 you can contribute into a Roth IRA. If you're over 50, they allow you to do an additional $1,000 for catch-up contributions, so a total of seven grand. And then uh, these numbers were a little bit lower. I was pretty close for the single. Um, $137,000. If you make more than $137,000, you are not eligible for um, to contribute to a Roth IRA if you're an individual. If, you're, if your tax filing status is single or if you're filing um, married filed separately, $137,000. Then if you're married or uh, filing married filing jointly, it's two hundred and three thousand dollars if you make more than two oh three. So two oh three zero zero one, you can't do it. All right, um, can't contribute to a Roth. You would have to do the backdoor Roth, which is where you fund a traditional IRA account and then you pay the taxes and roll that into a Roth IRA. Um, also talking about Roth IRAs, so um, if you're married. And your spouse doesn't doesn't work. The person with an income, in that you can you can fund an IRA for both both parties. All right, one person can fund the IRA for both people. So an individual could contribute up to twelve thousand dollars into a Roth IRA, do six thousand, and then six thousand for the spouse. Um, that's that's a, a perk of being married. To contribute to a Roth IRA or to an IRA in general, it's got to come from earned income. So one working spouse could pay for both members' uh, IRA account. It's a pretty cool little thing there. Um, but yeah, one thirty-seven if you're single, two hundred three if you're married. Make more than those numbers, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. You would only be eligible for a traditional IRA. So I just wanted to make sure I got that right before I closed out today. Also, I really want to thank Denny for sending me a voice memo. If you want to send me a voice memo, download the Anchor app, find my podcast, and there's a little button there that says send voice message. 
and you can ask me whatever you want. You get a minute to ask your question. So, Denny, thank you for sending in that voice message. I really hope I answered all of your questions and gave you some good advice um, on what to do with everything that was in your question, what to do with your brokerage, what to do with your 401k, what to do with your TSP, and what you should do with cryptocurrency. Um, Also, again, please check out my buddy Denny, um, uh, his podcast, Dose of Dedication, his YouTube link where he's showing you step-by-step how he's doing his fat loss, and um, listen to his podcast, Dose of Dedication, you get the 40% off discount code, it's different every week. So get the get the latest code and check out his Habits brand clothing line and use that discount code to save you some money. Um, again, I appreciate all of you for listening in. Uh, please like this podcast, share my Facebook page with your friends. That's JW Military Finance. And go check out my YouTube channel, JW Military Finance. I've got some really neat tutorials on how to use the TSP website, how to set up your contribution allocations and all that stuff. Um, Some good, helpful information there. So please, thanks again for uh, tuning in and please check out my other pages. I appreciate y'all.